From third grade to about seventh grade, I wore glasses and I did have to like stop playing a few sports because the risks of glasses breaking, I can't be rough that much with glasses. It kind of like made me not really happy because I couldn't do things that I loved. It was hard to see him go through that. Um, I wanted him to be happy and to feel that he was able to do everything everybody else was. You put your, your family first, you put your kids before you. I did research myopia more than I had in the past and really understanding that with the way that Matthew's eyes were progressing and how fast they were getting bad, as he got older, there were other things that could happen with his vision. I mean, we have one set of eyes. The long-term risk factors of myopia, high degrees of myopia when he reaches six or more is central vision loss with myopic maculopathy, cataracts at a younger age, glaucoma, which is peripheral vision loss, and retinal detachment, you can lose permanent loss of vision. So when I found out about my sight, I was like, oh my gosh, this needs to be like handed out to every parent out there who has kids and glasses. The reason we chose my sight for Matt is we know that he was progressing and his myopia was uh, you know, already moderate. My sight is the only FDA-approved treatment that helps slow down the progression of myopia and control as best as possible. So when we went back for his year checkup, and his vision hadn't changed, I was ecstatic. I was, I guess, kind of emotional. There's no safe myopia. Once myopia starts, it needs to be treated as soon as possible. Glasses don't really help slow down prescription. At this point, the best tool is my sight. Getting contacts definitely boosted my confidence with just doing what I used to do. And it just helped me get back to my normal self. With the glasses, it, I just saw like a box around my eyes and everything, but the contacts are just like new pair of eyes. And welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have with me Ankit Patel, who is founder of My Business Care Team. Ankit is also a visionary entrepreneur who, along with his wife, initiated Classic Vision Care in Atlanta, Georgia. Ankit identified the challenges that I think a lot of us experience hiring local help and he turned to the Philippines and other countries, tapping into a, a talented but cost-effective labor pool. And he's built a robust team handling various ta tasks from phone representation to insurance verification, billing, virtual assistance, and soft collections. So, Ankit, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we've talked a few times, and this, this is a topic that's it's starting to definitely gain traction in the industry and, and for obvious reasons. I think a lot of it is the difficulties in finding staff, payroll issues. And before we really jump in, what I'm going to ask you to do is, is describe your situation, because I think it's probably very relatable to a lot of 
other practices and what they're going through. But if you could go back in time a little bit, help mm -hmm. us better understand the situation that your practice was going through that drove you to make some of these changes. Yeah, it was, um, so I'll, I'll set the scene. It was, uh, 2019, um, towards the end of 2019, right before COVID hit. And we, we have, uh, we still have, we, at the time we had multiple locations and we wanted to centralize our phones because every office was ringing all the time. And, you know, it just made sense that we need a fewer front desk staff to answer all the phones. So we, we played with a centralized, uh, center and what we, also did at that point was hire someone remote as well. And that person was in the Philippines. And so they became a part of our integrated staff. Well, fast forward a little bit, COVID hits, several staff members say that they can't or uh, don't want to come back in office. There's turnover. And so uh, we kept who we could in terms of our headcount, um, as many as possible. And we actually ended up uh, building out our remote team in terms of um, uh, helping with phone support. And so it kind of grew organically because it didn't really matter where you were to answer phones. And so we had had them help. And over time, just have built that out over the course of three, four, or five years now. We talked about a couple of numbers that really stood out for me. And we're going we're gonna to peel back the layers on this a little bit, but I'm just going to let you quote the numbers. We talked about both revenue per patient to really critical uh, metrics here, revenue per patient, going up and payroll going down. Mm -hmm. It's a, to a pretty significant degree in your practice. What go numbers? Yeah. So our, our payroll ended up decreasing total by 28% and our revenue per patient and, and total revenues uh, went up by 33%. Okay. So okay. we had a swing both ways. So it was really significant swing for us. Yeah. And very significant. So I, I wanted to point that out just to demonstrate the impact that it's had on your practice as we as we dig into some of these um, questions and, and better understand the model here. Uh, up until very recently, or at least it felt that way, maybe just within our industry, because I know these options existed before. I, I Personally, I, a lot of times you think you're chatting with somebody who's a real person, and I realize now, okay, that's why there's always somebody at the other end of that. I'm not actually talking to a real person. Uh, different models out there for um, for finding some alternatives to the, to the staffing issue. But up until recently, at least within our industry, when we needed to add or hire staff, we hired a live human being to come into the office. And today there's options. And, and one thing I've noticed with COVID that a lot of owners have become more willing, there's an increased willingness and maybe slightly begrudgingly, but there's a higher willingness to allow some employees work remote if, if they can do that, if they can handle some of the administrative tasks or billing. I think years ago, that would have been something that was just no way. And now there's a more, uh, I think they're more open to that. We're hearing more about virtual assistants. There are service providers, which is what you offer, and you, we'll get more into that. And, and even AI playing a pretty big role. I know AI is a plays a role in in your business, but to what degree will that start to penetrate into into practices? So yeah. that being said, can you just give us a better understanding of the options that are out there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let, let me preface this too by saying, if managing a remote person or team is really hard, um, and I, I really, I'm hesitant to recommend folks do it on their own, uh, because it requires a different style of management and understanding of the role and expectations and setting expectations and how to do check-ins. 
Because when you're remote, there are legitimate concerns of productivity. Like you, you really have to do wonder, like, is this person being productive enough? And so, um, so I want, we'll talk a little bit about, okay, what are the different options for going remote? So there's always the one that says, um, do it yourself, right? Whether it's someone who is, so I've seen different variations of this. So the, the most easy familiar way is take someone who is in your office, who wants to work from home or moved, who still wants to work for you and give them things like, uh, that can be not done in the office. So insurance, verification, filing, billing, posting, things like that. Uh, and structurally, if you can, if you have the tech for it, uh, you can do phones as well. Um, it's all very manageable and doable, especially if you have like a cloud-based software. Uh, then the other option is hire someone that doesn't know your company, who's somewhat local or regional, or at least in your country, if you're in the U.S. in the U.S. Um, and speaks uh, speaks uh, uh, the native natively and knows the culture. Now the price is going to be high for that person, and uh, really, unless you're really desperate for for support, it's going to be tough to really justify that versus bringing someone in, in office. And then you have uh, the VA option. So VA, there's a lot of VA companies out there now. And the difference, what VA companies do is they say, we'll help you find someone who is remote. We'll, we'll do a little bit of background checking and your job is to interview them, train them and manage them completely. So you're running into some challenges with, you've got to have really good training in place. You've got to understand how to manage the folks and expectations deliverables and give them the right type of work to do properly. But your responsibility is to manage them. Um, and if they're out, you're going to have to figure out how to deal with the work that's left behind. Uh, we, we are a BPO or a business process outsourcing. Uh, and a BPO basically says, you give us the task, we will figure it out soup to nuts. And we build out the processes. We have a management team in place. We're doing quality checks, setting the metrics, setting the cadence. And our standards are frequently much, much higher than our client standards when it comes to the quality of service that we output. Uh, most people don't have service level or quality metrics uh, or productivity metrics for people on the phone or their VAs. Uh, we tend to have that across the board in everything we do. I did a, a podcast a while back with Dr. Adam Ramsey, and we focused mm -hmm. on virtual assistance. You you actually corrected me the first time we talked because I was referencing your business as providing virtual assistance and you clarified that it's actually business process outsourcing. So, mm -hmm. um, but in his case, he's had success with the VA model, mm -hmm. but there was a lot of work on his mm -hmm. part. In fact, I remember one of the, the things he said was it, it taught me to actually train better because I had to, because this, the employee, she was offsite and I had to make training videos and I had to do a lot of things. And it really made me think that I should be doing this for all of my staff. So there was a lot of work involved in his case, he had success with it, but it, it was a lot of work on his part. So, and that's a key difference between what you provide. There's a, a lot of training and you're handling the management is that's correct. Yeah. Now everyone has their own process. Right. So we do have to have at least something provided from the client, at least understand how to work in their environment. Um, but we have a whole set of training around um, uh, everything from AOA optometric training down to industry training to uh, infrastructure. So our technology, what the technology we use, how do we use that and the client specific training. So there's, there's a lot of layers of training and accountability there. Um, we even, uh, and you mentioned it earlier, like the other options, you know, we actually even use AI in our infrastructure, which is another thing with BPOs, you get the infrastructure and security protocols that are already in place for the companies. Uh, and so we have uh, our security protocols in place and we use artificial intelligence to help us with 
how to make sure the quality is good on the calls, make sure staff is being focused properly, making sure the calls are going well. Um, so we put a lot of time, effort, and energy in doing a couple of things really well for the offices. So you and I, uh, for those who don't know, OnKit is a, a coffee connoisseur. So we got together, we're both in the Atlanta area. So we got to, together a few weeks ago, we met up for coffee. So through OnKit, I am actually by default now a, a coffee connoisseur as well, because I, I learned a lot uh, just talking with you about it. But in that meeting, I mentioned before, you you had mentioned the the numbers around revenue per patient and, mm -hmm. and payroll that really stood out to me. But something else that really stood out to me, and it got me to think something I hadn't considered was your ability to better retain your best employees through this approach. And the the process being by having fewer, let, let's just use round numbers, not specific to your practice, but let's say you would normally need 10 employees in a, in a practice. If you're able to get by on eight, that you're able to one, focus on the eight you want, you know, you're better able to retain the employees that you actually, you know, your star performers, one reason you can, you can pay them more, but because you're saving so much money through lower payroll on the outsourcing side that you could potentially still pay your star performers more money, but still be, um, still be saving on payroll. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I mentioned this, but our practices are called classic vision care. My wife's the, I think I mentioned my wife is the OD. Um, and so inside of classic vision care, what we found was uh, we were struggling to keep up, you know, there's, there's turnover and it was like, okay, you know, this place is paying me a few bucks more. And I was like, I can't match that. That's a lot more. Um, and so we, we found that what we're able to do is when we reduce the admin task and we reduce the uh, calls in the office or almost completely eliminate all the calls in the office, that freed up our staff. And so we didn't have to replace as many folks. We needed fewer staff in office. The staff that stayed, we were able to compensate them better. We actually started offering healthcare coverage, better bonuses, better pay. Um, in fact, about uh, some some positions are actually 50% more pay. And uh, what that let us do is you'd be surprised when you start offering a little bit more pay relative to your market, you get a considerable amount better talent pool of folks to pull on. So a, a star player is not just, if you pay them, you know, let's say 50% more, they're not going to be 50% more productive. They're going to be three or four X more productive. So you get a lot better quality staff when you're able to pay and compensate better. Um, and so we focus heavily on that. And, you know, we, we, we do that now and our staff is paid over market. Um, they're worth every penny. And because we hold them accountable and because we're able to do all that, we've gotten the performance on the revenue side as well. Yeah. And it's a number I don't think we look at enough is productivity per employee. Mm -hmm. You know, we get caught up sometimes on a couple of dollars an hour, but how much productivity does each employee actually bring uh, to the practice? And that's really what we're dealing with a lot, right? I mean, sometimes it's just your best employee saying there's a, a place up the road that's going to give me a couple bucks an hour more than what you're paying me, or you get into benefits like health insurance and having to continually replace People, it's very costly. It's extremely yeah. costly in in multiple ways. So that that really stood out to me as wow. Okay, this is a way to to be able to pay to overpay, pay over market for your best performers, but still keep payroll in check. Revenue per patient. That's the other side of it. Is once you've got less, people are less burdened with some of these tasks that you could just offsource, right? A lot of the administrative tasks, things that can be done on a computer, that they have more time to focus on the patient, which is going to drive revenue per patient. And you mentioned just having more time. I, I think you you mentioned your optical staff as an example, having more time to spend with patients. 
Yeah, normally it would be a case where, you know, on busy days, uh, there'd be, uh, you know, a couple of texts, a couple of opticians. The opticians are both with people. The texts are both with people, um, managers dealing with the patient in office. And then all of a sudden the phone rings, right? And, oh my goodness, someone's got to go pick it up. So someone's got to uh, go away from that or the, it goes to voicemail. We can have a bad experience for that patient. And so just that hearing that ring in the back or having those things go off, it, it, it's distracting. Um, once we eliminated all that from the office, it got a lot quieter and people were able to focus. So our opticians actually started spending um, focused energy and time with the patients. So they made it a better experience for the patients. They're able to actually listen to what the patients are saying, understand what the doctor is trying to communicate to the patient and relay that same message again to the patient. And you know, if, if they decide to buy from us, great. Uh, but we know they've been uh, we know that they have had the opportunity to listen to what the patients are saying and respond appropriately and really develop that relationship uh, versus before it was very much, they, they could have been distracted. So it wasn't a consistent experience for every one of our patients. Has it lowered the stress level in your, in your office? Cause that's, this is another area that I, I'm hearing more and more is, is burnout, both professional burnout from the doctors and the staff getting burned out. And, and I think it's increased in recent years, probably in large degree because to a lot of offices actually being understaffed and, and having to do more work. So the, it allows you to operate more lean, it sounds like, and, and focus on the higher value activities that are going to have a higher return on investment. But do you feel like the overall uh, feel or vibe in your office is is a more relaxed work staff? It is. And it, it's interesting because um, when we when we took these off the plate, and we see this with our clients too, we tend to bring some transparency in the process. So we found all sorts of other issues that we didn't know before when we started decoupling uh, the phones and some of the admin tasks for my in-office team. So for instance, there were some discrepancies in how people were getting scheduled. Um, I, there was some unevenness in the schedule. I'll just say like the end of the day appointments were never full before. Uh, now we have a more even schedule of one example, right? So things like, okay, well, when you bunch up all the patients in the middle of the day, that gets really busy. Not every patient gets the same experience. And at the end of the day, there's not really as many people there in the office. And so, um, you know, they, the experience changes. So when you level the schedule, it changes. It makes it less stressful throughout the entire day. It's more of a steady pace. So that's one example of how how this has helped. Um, the, the other ways that I've seen uh, it help the team is that, you know, the, the ramp time to learn the task is very fast now. Like you're not having to learn all the nuances with insurance and this and that, because my team tells you exactly what the patient's going to need to pay. And we've put things in office, right? So all the complicated pieces, we try to simplify as much as possible. And the extra tasks that offices typically have folks do, uh, this has been, this has taken off of their plates. And what we find is uh, let's say you already have a team doing front desk. Well, now if we take over that function, you're, they can go do and focus on other areas in your office where you do need support. Um, because that's where the magic happens, in, at least in our offices, is when the patient's in, between, in our doors, we want to make that a great experience for them. Um, and it's hard to do when the staff is distracted. What are some of the tasks? And I'm not asking specifically a list of the tasks that that you provide um, and I, at the end, I'll invite people to you, you look at your website and whatever else they want to look at. But just maybe in general, I think people want to know what tasks could I actually offsite or offsource to a company like yours or even virtual assistants. And I'll I'll cite Adam Ramsey again, who said, mm -hmm. I remember saying that basically anything that could be done on a computer could be could be 
um, sent to somebody else offsite to do, but just what, what would you say are the key things that are maybe typically taken offsite or could be? So what I'll say is anything that you've have as a well-defined process, if you want to use a VA, you have to know your stuff first before you can send it to a VA. Uh, now, if you want to like use a BPO, you can, you can do pretty much anything because um, they'll help you develop out the process with that as well. Um, but th that would be my caveat is if you have a well-defined process, you can take it out of the office pretty quick, pretty easily. Uh, and a well-defined process is, uh, do you have SOPs or standard operating procedures, something documented? Do you have, uh, what training looks like for that position? And do you have uh, assessment? How do you assess that they're doing a good job in that position? Um, and there's usually something else. There's usually other things involved with that, like a cadence, like a meeting cadence, like how often is this person reporting? What are they reporting? What are the uh, corrective actions if they're not reporting something? Um, so once you have all that, a VA makes a lot of sense. Uh, you'll get the most out of a VA. If you don't have that, then a BPO would probably be helpful to come in to help you clean up all that. And someone else takes care of all that for you. Um, but really, he's not wrong. Pretty much anything that you don't have to have a physical touch for, you can do remotely. And honestly, exams are starting to be done remotely too. So uh, I don't, you know, maybe not too far in the future where we're all doing it from, you know, phones or something like that. That, that may be a little longer ways away, but um, there's a debate saying that, you know, does anything have to be in person? Mm -hmm. um, now people will still want that feel of like optical. I want to try the glasses on things like that, but, um, uh, but yeah, get creative, right? There's almost any, almost anything can be out of your office. Yeah. And I, I, you know, some of these conversations, I think people see as some people will see them as an opportunity. Some people will see them as a threat and either way is, is a valid perception. But I, I, I just, some, I always point out when it comes to trends, you don't have to like trends, just don't ignore them. You know, just don't, don't ignore trends. And, and I am seeing this becoming, uh, you know, more prevalent in eye care and, and maybe it's a ways off, but the idea of the remote exams, I mean, it already exists. It's, it's not mainstream, but is that something that does become more prevalent, uh, in the years ahead and make some great points about having good systems in place, probably a good place to start. If you are going to consider a VA, as opposed to a model like yours, it makes me think of franchise models. And I, I don't think, you know, most independent practitioners don't necessarily uh, aspire to to adopt a franchise model because we want that uniqueness and customization, right? But at the same time, franchises do this really well, is build consistent systems. And that's what allows them to replicate that model in, in some cases all over the country, right? So that's a great point. Having those things in place before you have a even a virtual assistant take over, you'd want to make sure that you've got... In, good internal systems in place that they could, um, that, that would make it much easier and more efficient for them to, uh, to take over. What are some of the top concerns? Cause if you introduce this model to your staff, the live human beings that are in your office every day, as just an example, I would think maybe it could create some concern around job security. Uh-oh, you know, virtual assistants, employees from the Philippines, what does this mean for my job? And and maybe that's valid for an employee that you're considering not necessarily being the best fit, but you, you made a good point. We were talking before that a lot of times this isn't a means of replacing employees as much as most offices are struggling with not having enough employees. But, but I'm just curious, what are some of the, the top concerns that you hear from other doctors and, and maybe just help them alleviate some of those concerns in terms of them considering going this route? 
Yeah. So uh, the the is this going to replace my job? Usually isn't a concern because people are like, well, yes, I want the help. I don't want to do this anyways. Um, and so can someone else do it for me? Um, but but the folks that it is a concern for is is interesting because um, if you go in with this is the scope of what we're taking off of your plate and this is what you're going to do next, that usually eases the concerns, right? This is where you're growing to. This is what you're going to. This is where we need you in the business. Um, then you'll find out very quickly, hey, is this person going to be able to transition or not? Now, most folks don't do that. Um, and what I would recommend is if you have staffing that you're happy with, everything is good, you have plenty of staffing, there's not really a pain point to drive this uh, unless you're actually wanting to try it and reduce um, overall payroll costs in some way. Um, that's a different discussion. But uh, what I would say is that um, there's a few different ways to handle it. So uh, yes, that's a concern for some people, but if you have an action plan and say, this is a scope that my offsite team is going to handle, this is what you're going to handle, that eases that a lot. Um, another way to handle it is, is if you're looking to reduce payroll costs by bringing in these solutions, use natural turnover, right? And so when you have new roles assigned for people, new job functions, you're going to have natural turnover. When that turnover happens, you just don't replace the folks that are there. So it's not like you're going in and you're saying, okay, we're going to lay off people because we're bringing outsource team. I, that is not good for anyone's culture. Um, and so the other concerns that I hear are more along the lines of, well, can they work my time zone? Right. That's, that's a basic one. Yes, they, they do. And our team actually works a graveyard shift there. Um, and we have teams all the way from, we're looking at it uh, uh, all the way from the West coast and beyond all the way to the East coast. So we got big time ranges that we um, try to satisfy. Um and then on top of that, the other concern is what about the English? If they're on the phone, that's another concern. And and what I find is, is that if we do a good enough job understanding what the patient is saying, the accent goes away, right? They don't, it's not a problem. And our team constantly gets five-star reviews from our patients uh, for, for, from, from patient survey scores. Um, and so th those are things that I think are common concerns that you'll hear from folks. Um if you go the VA route, it's also, how do I deal with if this person is out? What happens? What happens if I don't like them? You know, what, what happens there? What if, what happens if they're not performing? How do I get a new one? So th those are concerns that you, most, some people have when they go the VA route, the BPO route, that's on the company to manage. So they'll manage the performance and metrics. And if you say you're not happy, okay, they'll, they'll find someone else that is a good fit and figure that out for you. Um, so there's a lot of different um, concerns depending on which route you decide to go. Yeah, and that the the feedback that I've heard from other doctors that have gone this route, whether it be a VA or something like um, a business, uh, the, the model that that you offer, is that that's how they approach their staff. Is said, you know, what can I take off your plate? And so mm -hmm. it, it kind of alleviated those initial concerns around job security to say, hey, we're going to bring in a, a worker from the Philippines versus going to the staff and saying, what you know, what are some things I could take off your plate? Now all of a sudden it's like, oh. So yeah, that's good. We can do that. And they were much more, uh, they embraced it. They, they embraced yeah. that, that approach. They also appreciated when we started doing that, that, Hey, you know what? We, 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 we have someone that moves on the team, you know, the, the staffing changes over time through attrition, then we start increasing their pay. So that was something else too, that they tend to appreciate over time. But again, if you, if you, if you're open and trans, at least in our culture, we're trying to be as open and as transparent as we can. Um, if you're transparent about, hey, this is why we're bringing them in. This is what we're planning on doing. This is what we want to do with you. You know that that that'll help ease a lot of those concerns with your staff.
Does your staff interact with the the remote employees? Because I, I again, I'll, I'll reference Dr. Ramsey a, a third and final time because beyond that, he might want a royalty or something from this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know he said his staff. He probably talks with the VA in his case more than he does. So how how much interaction is there between your staff and the um, the remote employees and and maybe we get the, yeah. how, what kind of technology or communication systems do you use for that? Each office is different. It depends on their workflows. So in our office, they're part of our daily huddles. So they're coming in with their accountabilities and metrics. We do uh, tr- we do traction in our office and um, both businesses, the My Business Care team and Classic Vision Care. And so there's L10 meetings that they're part of in both. Um, we also do. Um, uh, we have Google. We use Google Chat, which is we have a HIPAA compliant version of Google Chat. Other offices have like a HIPAA compliant version of their ch- chat software or their EHR system for chat. So it just depends on the workflow for the office. Uh, but there's always some sort of communication. There's usually some set of phone calls that need some sort of escalation or attention, and so there's usually at least a touch point there. Um, we we do transfer back, so sometimes there's a touch point there. It's like hey. Patient Smith is calling because X Y Z reason she he wanted to talk to a manager. Can I transfer him over? That type of thing. Um, so it just depends on on each client, each situation. But there's usually some sort of touch base every day on how they're performing. Okay, and one difference I would think, uh, maybe a fairly large difference between what you're offering and a, a true virtual assistant is monitoring the productivity because mm-hmm. you probably have more oversight over the the your team oh, yeah. <laughs> versus it, it's much more individual. If it's a VA, it's probably completely on the um, shoulders of that office to monitor, set up their own systems to monitor the productivity for a VA. Would that be correct? So there's pseudo monitoring that most VA companies offer where they, they use an app called time doctor or one of these other ones that does screenshots and does some time recording. Um, what we find is that, that, that agents and folks can game that. Um, and that's been a common thing. So we actually have extra layers in there that that actually we don't use we don't use the office shelf ones. We actually have some custom software that we we have that helps us track productivity. Um, but we also have alerts that are also set up for us. Um, we're we're tracking productivity uh, SLA, which is service level and quality at all times throughout the day. And when they dip, supervisors get alerts and are trying to resolve the issues. Um, and so we try to have fast learning cycles. So if we see something going on, let's try to fix it and then improve on it and keep moving forward. Um, so there's there's a lot more oversight with we do versus if you have a VA, then you kind of have to put in some of that infrastructure for that. Yeah, it, it's a very exciting time for this to be happening. I think it's a, a, a logical solution to one of the biggest pain points that a lot of practices are experiencing. And this certainly is not unique to optometry. It's it's businesses in general. I mean, maybe small business has been hit harder because sometimes they have to depend on four or five employees and they're down to three. But the ability to solve two problems here is a, a labor shortage. It, it opens up a whole new workforce, but also to address the issue of rising payroll. And again, for small businesses, I'm hearing more and more how challenging that is becoming in terms of really eating into the the profits of, of a business. So I, I would, like I said, you don't, if anyone listening to this and, and feels threatened or scared, um, like I said, you don't have to like trends, that's fine, but but just don't ignore them. And I, I think it's worth at least considering, uh, the first time I heard this, I thought that could be disastrous, you know, hiring somebody from a different country. And for all the reasons that we're talking about, what surprised me 
was the feedback that I was getting from other doctors saying, no, it's, it's working great. It's, it's working fantastic in our practice. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I think it's definitely worth looking at. So Ankit, thanks so much for your time. It, how do people find out? How do they find your company? How do they find out more about you? Yeah, my, my, uh, the company's site's called my business care team or my bcat.com. So it's M Y B as in boy, C A T.com. Or you can message me at onkit at mybcat.com. Uh, be happy to respond. So A-N-K-I-T, my first name, at mybcat.com. All right. And we'll have to get together for coffee again soon. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> so, good. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. Uh, so thanks for everyone for listening as well. And if you'd like to learn more about IDOC and how we work with ODs to help them grow their practice, you can find out more at idoc.net. So thanks again, Ankit, and thanks everyone for listening.